Tyler Malley is going to be really stinking good this year. The Cincinnati Reds are going to steal more bases this year. And what would a Reds City Connect jersey look like anyway? We talk about that and more on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, is actually not in with me today. He'll be back tomorrow, but that's okay. We are going to be talking about all things Cincinnati Reds, as I've been podcasting for over three years now about this Reds team, and I have turned a just addiction about the Reds into information for you on today's Locked On Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, we'll be talking about this uh, wonderful interview that Tommy Thrall got to have with Derek Johnson that was very insightful. A lot of good stuff said by the Reds pitching coach. We'll break that down for you today and look at a trend that I've noticed over these uh, spring training games that the Reds have had that may signal a change in philosophy for the Red Legs this season when it pertains to running the bases, something they weren't very good at last year. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. All right, when it comes to this interview that Derek Johnson gave to Tommy Thrall, there was a lot of insight there, but the absolute first thing that we've got to get to, I, I thought it was, I, I kind of had to do a double take whenever I read it. It's very exciting to me. Tyler Malley has added a cut fastball. We're talking about a dude who last year we were like, okay, he's a three-pitch pitcher. His slider's almost a waste pitch anyway, so he's really a two-pitch guy. What's that going to look like moving forward in his career? Now, through his couple of spring training appearances, that slider has looked phenomenal and really gotten hitters to swing and miss. He's been able to locate it for strikes. Really good stuff there to go along with the fact that his split change has always been dominant against hitters, especially lefties. And the fast ball he can locate wherever he wants but now he's added a cut fastball so he can have a little bit of a break on a fastball that's just lateral like that and then you have the slider that's a little bit more horizontal that's the kind of thing that Tyler Malley needs to take the next step we keep talking about how many next steps this guy's got to take but that's what's going to get him into the upper echelon of Cy Young discussions when you're talking about four pitches from Tyler Malley Oh, yeah, baby. That's good to hear. And with Derek Johnson saying that it's something that it's not going to just be a smoke and mirrors game. He's not just going to, oh, hey, all of a sudden I've got this cut fastball that hitters know I have, but it's not really worth them worrying about. I, I, I don't know. Four pitches that are going to be phenomenal for the Reds opening day starter, who we will get to see twice in the first five games. Uh, David Bell earlier today or earlier uh, Wednesday announced that the rotation would be Tyler Malley, Rivar San Martin, Vladimir Gutierrez, and Hunter Green for the first four games. That's right. He announced it. Hunter Green will make his Major League debut April 10th in Atlanta. As much as I would have liked to have seen that in Cincinnati, hey, that's awesome. I'm happy that he's going to be getting his career started. We'll talk about service time on another time. I'm, I'm not talking about right that. I'm talking about that right now. I'm just happy to see that. But for Tyler Malley, huge 
news that you can see a four seamer, a cut fastball, a slider, and a split finger. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Tyler Malley in 2022. He's going to be amazing. Something else he said that I found interesting, Lucas Sims is going to be the first one back when we're talking about the three pitchers that are currently on the injured list, the three big names. Lucas Sims is going to be the first one back. And the way that it looked like he said in that interview He's not going to miss that much time. So, you know, I don't know, maybe that first series in Atlanta, maybe the first home series against Cleveland, and then hopefully we see him back for the second weekend of the year. As far as Luis Castillo and Mike Miner are concerned, they're not far behind, but they're also not, like, coming back in the first week. I, I would expect we probably see them whenever they return home to play, like the Cardinals or something like that. They, maybe they join them out west when they go out to play the Dodgers and the Padres, but more than likely they're going to be conservative with them because – as that West Coast road trip goes along, you're still going to be able to run with the five guys that you have to start the year. So I think that the five guys that they've set up as the rotation, which actually I say five guys, they've only announced four, but I, I firmly believe Nick Lodolo any day now will be announced as the fifth starter. But you're going to be able to pitch those guys and not get them super tired there at the beginning of the year, but Castillo and Miner aren't as close as Lucas Sims. It's good to hear Lucas Sims is not far away. Question marks remain, though, when it comes to that fifth spot. And and he didn't specifically say, Derek Johnson, in this interview with Tommy Thrall, he didn't specifically say that Nick Lodolo is going to get it, but he had this really good quote that I think pretty much points to Nick Lodolo getting it. Derek Johnson said this, quote, at the same time, some of the guys we were considering, I think, have done a pretty good job. And there's some excitement around that, too, because they're younger and they're ours. So I like that idea. Seems to point to Nick Lodolo because they've already announced that Hunter Green is in the rotation. This this interview was given last night. It was posted on MLB.com. Tommy Thrall did. Um, it was Tuesday night, actually, coming into Wednesday. And then Wednesday morning in his uh, kind of time with the press, David Bell announced his first four guys in the rotation with Hunter Green being included in that, as well as Revar San Martin, which, you know what, by the way, and Steve, if you're listening, pat yourself on the back too. This is what we called, what the rotation is going to be. And I think Lenny Lodolo is going to slot in, and we're going to go five for five. So, hmm, yeah, we did good. But – I love that he has so, he has been so impressed, and he even talked about how impressed he was with Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. The fact that Lodolo, he said, is a super mature 24-year-old. I don't know about you, but I wasn't super mature when I was 24. Apparently Nick Lodolo is, and he's got a lot of weapons that he's going to be able to use on the mound to go along with the fact that he has really good command of the strike zone. And he said, as far as Hunter Green is concerned, he has amazing stuff, but he has learned how to best utilize it, how to control it, and how to manage it throughout the game. And not just go 100% all the time, because you can't. A good starting pitcher does not throw 100% all of the time. That's just been that way since the beginning of baseball, since they started the idea of a dude standing on a hill, throwing down to home plate and trying to get the guy out who's swinging a stick at him. It has always been, how do you manage the talent that you have? Because you can't go a hundred for nine innings. 
You can't go 100 for 80s. You can't go 100 for 7. I don't even know if you can really go 100 for 5. That's an interesting discussion that I'd like to have. Maybe we can get Rob Wooten on here and talk about some pitching philosophy there. But on the whole, you can't do that. And Hunter Green has been learning. And as Derek Johnson has said, he's a quick study. And he's a smart kid. So when I look at Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, I think our expectations for them are right on. I think we're going to have a great year with these two dudes. And I'm looking forward to watching them pitch. As long as Derek Johnson, and and this is the biggest thing that I take away from this interview, as long as Derek Johnson is in Cincinnati, the pitching staff will be better than if someone else was running it. Derek Johnson is the best pitching coach in the league, period. That's what I'm saying. The Reds uh, might be actually stealing some more bases this year. I'm going to explain here in just a moment. But uh, speaking of some interesting things coming into the season, Joey Votto, according to Bet Online, has an over/under home run total of 29 and a half. So you know, take the over or the under. I'm taking the over. I think he's going to mash a lot more dingers this year too. He's going to follow up with what he did last year. I like the idea. Eno Saris said in his uh, bold predictions column that he's going to hit 40. So Eno Saris is taking the over uh, 29 and a half at Bet Online. And when you're talking about betonline.net, it's the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contest, and player props, you name it. I mean, Joey Votto, there's over under home run total for Jonathan India set at 23 and a half. That's interesting. That's interesting. Bet online remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just when you're talking about, I mean, there's college basketball going on, the final four, all that stuff. We're coming into baseball season. So many futures. You can check out the Reds win total there on Bet Online as well. They've got everything, including UFC and boxing. Check them out today. BetOnline.net. Head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and sports betting action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Check out Locked On MLB Prospects after we're done talking Reds here today. Lindsey Crosby will keep you informed on the minor leagues and college baseball. Locked On MLB Prospects is free and available on all platforms. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter at S Offenbaker for Steve's Twitter account. And you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's and you can follow the show at lockdown reds and subscribe on YouTube. Lots of following you need to do if you're not already doing so. All right. So this spring has been intriguing to me for a strategical reason. And I don't know, maybe this is just a spring training thing that they just want to try and see how many guys and how many prospects and things like this can steal a base. But the Reds have been stealing a lot of bases. I don't know if you noticed this or not. They're third in Major League Baseball during spring training. They have 11 steals. Okay, 11 steals. That's not that much. But when you look at where they rank amongst all the other teams compared to last year, that's huge. Last year, during the entire regular season, the Reds stole 36 bases. And they've already stolen 11 in like... 11 games or 12 games or I forget how many they played in spring training so far. But yeah, it it seems to be a trend to me. And and if you think about it this way, last year, they really only had Jonathan India as a base stealer. 
Jose Barreiro didn't get a lot of regular playing time. You're not going to ask Kyle Farmer to steal you a base. Definitely not Eugenio Suarez, which, of course, now he's in Seattle. Jesse Winker, he's not stealing a base, but he's in Seattle. Doesn't matter. Uh, Nick Senzel, he can steal you a base, but he wasn't on the roster for most of the year because he was hurt. Now he's back. And with Jose Barrero coming back eventually, the, I think you're still going to have some running there. And Tommy Pham brings a little bit of stealing base. I mean, he's not going to steal 20 bags for you, but he could probably steal 10 or 12. Be interesting to see. I think of this as a change in philosophy for David Bell. And I know that it's not the most sabermetrical correct statistic, and it's not necessarily something that you know, analytics are telling people to do because I think the average success rate of any team is like 70%. Last year, it was only 60% for the Reds. I mean, they were bad at stealing bases. But I think on the whole, David Bell might be showing a little bit I don't know of maturity, but maybe just a change in philosophy when it comes to how he approaches the run game. The Reds didn't do it very much at all last year. They were last in stolen bases. They, I think they were last in overall success rate. They weren't the worst as far as getting caught stealing, but that's just because they didn't steal that much. They only had 60 total attempts, but they were caught on 24 of them. That's that's terrible, man. That's awful. So I look at this and I say, this is obviously an area for improvement for this Reds team because as much as we try not to harp on what actually goes on during a spring training game, the stolen bases that they have done have really done a good job of kind of opening up the game for them. This is something that they've looked pretty decent at, not not only just the actual success of the stolen base itself, but it's set up some nice hitting uh, situations for the Red Legs. So I'd like to see it a little bit more. I'm not saying they need to do it every game and every time Jonathan India's on first and every time Nixon Zell's on first, they need to be stealing second base as soon as they possibly can. But I like the chances of this Reds team including the run game a little bit more in their strategies. And and you're probably talking about some hit and run scenarios as well. I know that that's kind of a hard thing to quantify because it's not as if somebody is sitting there saying, okay, that was a hit and run play right there. We're going to mark it down on a chart and things. Maybe there are, if there are, give me a holler in the comments section. But uh, when it comes to what the Reds seem to just punt last year, and then Other than that, there were so many times you could point to a base running gaff in the regular season being a huge change of events for the Reds and a huge change of events as to how the outcome of the game was decided. I think that this year they'll be a little bit better in the base running category. And I think that that was part of the whole non-flexible roster. I I think a lot of that, probably 90%, if we're honest, of Nick Crawl's quote from a few days ago talking about the roster flexibility. I think 90% of that was due to financial reasons. But you can also look at it and say they weren't very good defensively and they weren't very good on the base paths. They could hit, but those other two things, they kind of just punted. I think they want to incorporate that back into their game. And Tommy Pham defensively, pretty good. Nick Senzel defensively, pretty good. Hopefully he's going to be healthy all year. And both those guys can run the bases. And then Jose Barrero as well, defensively, mm-hmm. and he can run the bases. I look at this and say, you know what? This was an area that last year, as I was evaluating this Reds team and kind of trying to figure out exactly what they were going to be and how they were going to win, I was almost okay with them punting this, but we knew they weren't bringing back Nick Castellanos. And for the most part, 
With the moves that they have made otherwise, it's nice to see that they are incorporating those elements of the game back into this team's roster construction. There's still a lot of question marks to be had otherwise, but at least I'm looking at what David Bell has done this spring. And I think there is some extrapolating we can do, even though it's a small sample size and it's spring training. I think we can see that they are going to be more active on the base paths. They are going to be more active in trying to make some steals. Now, another thing to talk about entirely is how pitchers kind of handle that stuff. I saw yesterday's game. Revar San Martin was a little bit hesitant on controlling the running game. It's going to be something we have to watch early on from this pitching staff, especially from the young pitchers like San Martin and Green and Lodolo. How do they manage the run game? Because there's going to be guys on base. You can't just ignore them. But on the whole, from a Red-centric perspective, the pitchers need to make sure they're watching it. And I believe we're going to see some more stolen bases. I advocated very heavily against this last year. This was something that I didn't want them to do. I've changed my thinking on that. I think you know, I, 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 number one, it's a little bit more fun just as a fan to watch. It's a lot more fun to watch a stolen base than to watch guys go station to station. It's a lot more fun to see the hit and runs and see stuff like that. And I know that I'm sounding like a little bit of an old hat baseball fan right now, but I think that this is something that the Reds could benefit more from this year. And I think they're trying it out in spring training for a reason, because I think we're going to see more of it. And I think that the Reds are going to be more successful doing it this year. Uh, And again, kind of like I said a little bit ago, I think they're going to have more steals this year. They're going to have more than 36. 36 seems very, very low. But I I, I think that you're not talking about, oh, hey, look, they got 37. I think that there's going to be more more of a focus on trying to get stolen bases. And because of that, they're going to have a decent amount. Uh, the, the Washington nationals a couple of days ago unveiled their city connect uniform, uh, for this season, an alternate type of uniform. If you've seen this, some other teams have come out with this and the reds are on the list, but they're not going to get one until 2023. But you know what? It's never too early to start imagining what that might look like. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you head on over there today. If you're watching right now, make sure that you're following us because as the season gets going here in 10 days, 10 days, what am I talking about? It's like a week. 10 days is, I'm sorry, I'm counting down to the first start for Hunter Green. That's what it is. 10 days till Hunter Green starts. It's a week (laughs) until opening day in Atlanta. Let's talk, uh, this is a little bit more fun. This isn't necessarily something like, you know, statistical, we're not going to be harping on anything. Let's talk about the City Connect uniforms. I'm not a huge uniforms guy. I will start that out, but I like this idea. I like the City Connect idea because the point of it is to give your team a little bit of a different look, but also celebrate something about the city of Cincinnati. Washington just did this. The Nationals just came out with their uniforms that celebrate the idea of Washington, D.C. being the cherry blossom city. There's like a little cherry blossom branch underneath uh, Washington. And I think it's Nationals. Actually, yeah, we'll throw up the picture here. But uh, I kind of feel like they could have done more with it. It's not bad. It's not a terrible looking uniform and I don't hate it. 
I don't necessarily know that it's my favorite, though. If you're looking at the City Connect uniforms that have come out, Washington is the eighth team to unveil this type of uniform, and there will be more this year. I think the next team to unveil it is coming up here in a couple of weeks. It's going to be the Houston Astros are getting their City Connect uniforms. But Washington's idea of molding something about the city into the uniforms is pretty cool. I think the best one, if, if you're talking about these alternate city connect uniforms is Miami, the Marlins. I thought their alternate, their city connect uniform was awesome. It's a different color scheme. Yeah, I know, but I think that's kind of the point. You kind of want to change it up a little bit, get something into your uh, overall team look. That's a little bit different from what you're used to. I think theirs is the best. It's a, it's an interesting red and, and, you know, really nice kind of teal blue, whatever that is color. And it's actually, they're paying homage to a Cuban AAA team that the Reds used to have. So I think that's kind of cool. A little bit of Cuban, there's a lot of Cuban heritage down in Miami. So they're, they're hearkening to that and also creating something fun for their team. Right up there with them is uh, the White Sox. They're, they're black and white, like pinstripe, say South Side on it. Looks real cool. It's a nice, I mean, it's still their same kind of color scheme, but it's different enough that I think it works. There's three teams, though, when it comes to the idea of the different look and, and how they executed it in, in this whole City Connect uniform thing, that uh, three teams that I think are the worst, the three tied for the worst anyway, uh, the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Cubs, they're all terrible. It, these uniforms are not different at all. And, and in fact, when you look at the Dodgers uniforms, they look like the exact same uniforms. It just says Los Dodgers. Congratulations. And, and the Cubs, the whole Wrigleyville aesthetic and, and the navy blue and all that. I mean, it's not that much different. Pretty much the same color scheme. And you're just saying Wrigleyville on there. It would have been nice. You know, Wrigleyville, maybe change it up a little bit more red. I, I I don't know. I just think that it doesn't look that different. And then the Giants one, like, what on earth was that? You took a plain uniform and you put the letter G on there. Come on. That is just awful. And, and I just, I look at those and I say, okay, I don't want the Reds to do that. So with all that being said, we're, we're analyzing all the different City Connect uniforms up to this point. There's been eight. The ninth will be the Astros coming up here in a few weeks. And the Reds aren't due for one until next year. But something I kind of hope it, it looks like is, I, I don't know if you've seen this, at Cincy Shirts, they have like this, this like button up shirt that has a bunch of like conies and, and, and like Skyline Chili on it, basically. Kind of like something like that, to be honest with you. Like, make it different. Make it fun. I had a poll up on Lockdown Reds. I'd say, I said, you know, what What do you think should be on a Reds City Connect jersey? And actually, that's what won out. Coney's in three ways. Uh, road construction was the second one. That was more of a jokey thing, but I was curious to see how many people said it. But that's, I mean, you know, when you're talking about what goes on around the city of Cincinnati, it's hard to argue that road construction is not a big thing. Um, it's always going on. Nick Lachey came in last, and then also um, a hippo, Fiona. That'd be kind of fun. I don't know. I could also see, like, a in a more serious light, maybe a, a City Connect jersey that somehow incorporates Fountain Square. I think that'd be kind of cool. Have, like, you know, Cincinnati across the, the fountain and, and all that. That'd be kind of sweet. I don't know how you would get that to work on a shirt, but I don't know. Like, when I saw the Nationals jersey... 
and I saw the cherry blossom branch and all that different stuff. I thought, you know, you really could have made that almost like a Hawaiian shirt. Just have cherry blossoms as a Hawaiian shirt. Maybe you can make like a Hawaiian shirt with conies and three ways. I don't know. It'd be kind of fun. You'd probably be a little bit too busy. And they'd probably say there's something wrong with how busy those uniforms look. But I think that the idea overall of a City Connect jersey is to have fun, create an alternate look for your team, and to celebrate something about the city in which your team resides. And so when it comes to the red City Connect uniforms, just have fun with it, you know? Don't don't do what the Cubs and the Giants and the Dodgers did because those look boring and you can say that there's some sort of connection with the city that they're trying to represent, but overall they look boring. Don't be boring. City Connect should be a little goofy, I think. Don't take it seriously. I, I just like in life when you don't take things too seriously, and this seems like one of them. That's just my thoughts. I think that's going to wrap us up for here on the solo edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Just me, your old pal Jeff, talking right here with you like I did for three years until Steve came along. Although I'm having a lot of fun with Steve alongside. He'll be back tomorrow as we continue to look at spring training and try to figure out what this roster is going to be like. And we'll probably celebrate a little bit because we got the starting rotation, right? That's uh, coming up on tomorrow's Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen. Now go make your second listen and locked on MLB. It's Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. It gives you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. Hey, it might still be spring training, and we're like a week away from opening day and the home openers further still. But you can count on me and you can count on Steve whenever he gets back to be Locked On Reds every single day.